Hello and welcome to the Movie Change Up Podcast. This is our deep dive edition. We haven't ever done one of these. This is our first and, you know, continuing this whole theme of summer blockbusters that we've been doing. We're going to do a deep dive on summer blockbusters where Bobby, Tristan, and I will just kind of go around, talk about what some of our favorite summer blockbusters are and what kind of our favorite aspects of summer blockbusters are. Uh, you know, if you're, and we're going to talk the whole gamut of summer blockbusters. If you're uh, watching this stream on either Twitch or YouTube, you're going to see two, uh, can't point in directions. There we go. To uh, my right, I guess, we have a Jaws poster. And then to my left over here, we got an Avengers Endgame poster, kind of the original summer blockbuster and kind of the most recent, like, summer blockbuster pre-pandemic era. So um, we'll be talking all things summer blockbuster. And if you haven't figured out what we're talking about today, then, well... You don't deserve to enjoy content. Uh, but well, first off, before we get started, uh, let's go around and uh, get everyone's kind of opinion on what constitutes a summer blockbuster to you. So everyone kind of gets a vibe of what we're talking about here and introduce yourself. So, Bobby, uh, what constitutes a summer blockbuster to you? Well, like you said, I'm Bobby. And if you've watched the show at all, you know, been a mainstay, just like all three of us. But uh, um I think what constitutes a blockbuster is, I mean, you know, summer blockbusters means it's in the summer, you know, between, I think we call it what end of April or April yeah. through like yeah, it's be, even, uh, August or something. It's even in Sometimes March now. Now summer in March, but I would say, you know, at least at one point it's gotta be a relative, it's gotta be a relatively big budget, you know, studio movie. Um, other movies can blow up, but at that point I don't necessarily consider them blockbusters, but I think I'll, Usually they're fun, uh, like kind of adventure style movies. I like when there's a little bit more to it, and I'll get into that with kind of one of my favorite uh, blockbusters of all time. Um, a little more character involved, but you know, if I'm just going to have a fun time at the movies for a summer blockbuster, I do want a little bit more kind of maybe more action heavy, a little bit more um, of a, a thrill ride. But uh, some of my favorites aren't that, so I'll get into, I'll get into it later. All right, and Tristan, what about you? What what do you think constitutes a summer blockbuster? Yeah, for me, a summer blockbuster, like you said, the definition of summer blockbusters really expanded. Like, I have Thor Ragnarok up there. I have Star Wars poster right here. Star Wars, of course, was summer, but Marvel has kind of, like, broken the formula of what a blockbuster is. I can put a blockbuster out in, like, February, and it'll do just as good. <laughs> but for me, a blockbuster, of course, if we're talking summer blockbusters, it has to be in that range. But for me, a blockbuster is, like, the word of mouth is a really big part of it. Like, not necessarily the action, just, like, the idea that you're going out and like a water cooler kind of movie you're talking to your coworkers and they oh you got to see you know the new guardians of the galaxy you got to see this or that and that's how you get movies that are small that blow up and become blockbusters and that's also how like these big franchises maintain like dominance is they're like they're the conversation so i think a blockbuster is really like a movie that's a conversation yeah i definitely agree with both of you guys there one of the one of my things times when i knew avengers endgame was going to be massive as i remember when uh uh, Avengers, uh, or when The Force Awakens came out, a lot of the conversation was like, oh, are you going to see the new Star Wars movie? Are you going to see the new Star Wars movie? When Avengers End came, came out, it was, what time is your showing for Avengers Endgame? Like, yeah. I remember at work, a guy came up to me, and like we had never talked to like comic book movies before. It wasn't like he knew I was into the MCU, and he just straight up asked me, oh, like what time are you going to see Avengers Endgame? And I was like, oh, my tickets are for whenever they are. And he's like, oh, my tickets are for tonight. And that's that's when I knew this movie was probably going to be uh, 
the force awakens at the box office and i think it beat it by about 100 million i think it got about 347 yeah i think it got 347 and i think the force awakens was like 247 or 257 million for opening weekend uh but yeah i think it's one of those movies where you can just go up to someone on the street and ask their opinion on and you know they know what movie they're talk you're talking about maybe they haven't seen it but it's not you don't have to be like oh is that the one about this one it's like they know exactly what you're talking about when you ask them about if they've seen that movie so that's kind of to me what constitutes a blockbuster it's a movie that's just like in the conversation like how well mm-hmm. it's doing in the box office is like news on good morning america like but all right, now that we've kind of defined what we're talking about here with the blockbuster, uh, Bobby, do you have a favorite blockbuster franchise that you want to talk about? So if I'm talking franchises, there's a lot I can go or into. Or I guess you, I could say but, individual movie, too. Um, well, I mean, it depends on where we want to start. I have both ready. So right. um, I'll start with franchises because that's where we kind of were defining it on. And I would say uh, there's a lot of them, but my, my consistently like favorite one and it – spans a couple different you know uh i guess eras of it is uh the batman franchise okay um so if you're gonna talk like my favorite blockbuster trilogy that were all summer blockbuster hits it's gonna be the dark knight trilogy um and what i do love about that with christopher nolan taking the reins of batman is that it is more than just the action thrill ride a little bit more character study especially on the villains uh you get some fantastic performances out of it um Yep, Lego Batman. So, so if, if you want to go broad and just say any Batman, it was the like, only Batman you know, movie I can reach. Batman. Yeah, they're all right. Way up so there. I can't reach. Yeah, but like even as a kid growing up, and like it was, you know, my parents thought the original uh, Tim Burton Batman and Batman Returns were like too dark. So it was like this big, you know, uh, kind of risky movie, you know, to go that I would watch at friends' houses kind of deal. Um, and then even, you know, the ones I watched growing up and loved, just like Batman Forever, now I look at it in our corny, goofy movies, but I still still do love that movie for what it is. Uh, Batman and Robin is even just such a good, bad movie to watch with all the, you know, ice puns and all that. So there's something to enjoy with every iteration of Batman that I've seen. And Joe is showing off his uh, multiple Batman tattoos. But that's definitely been my most consistent throughout my life franchise that I've loved. Um, that's continued over different eras and, and tones, uh, including the 1966 one, which I wouldn't call a summer blockbuster, but it's definitely, uh, it's definitely entertaining it's, and it's great. And I'm looking forward to where it goes from here with Matt Reeves. Like the only movie that includes Batman that I like legitimately hate is probably the theatrical cut of Batman be Superman. I do. I don't like that movie. What about I do, Justice I do, League? Uh, it's at least got something to it. Wow. Like it's fine. I, I would uh, take the, the original, but I would take theatrical BVS over theatrical Justice League any day. Yeah, but... th- those ones are the, definitely the two bottom of the barrel ones for me. I do quite enjoy, at least to a certain extent, the ultimate cut of yeah. BVS. But obviously, that wasn't really the theatrical experience I had. But yeah, I like Matt Reeves' Batman. One of the biggest movies I'm looking forward to coming up is a, one of the next big summer blockbusters. So. Uh, that's where I'll start is Batman, and a lot of it has to do with um, a lot of it has to do with the villains. And I think a good villain can make make or break a movie. And I think those movies consistently have at least entertaining villains. Yeah, Batman is a massive, you know, summer blockbuster franchise. We got, I think, three upcoming live action Batmans coming out. We have the uh, 
Robert Pattinson in the Batman, the Matt Reeves movie, mm-hmm. and then we also we have both Ben Affleck and Michael Keaton in the upcoming Flash movie, both portraying Batman. So, and you could yep. even say maybe there was there'd be a Bruce Wayne appearance in Joker too if that happens. There was of course a Bruce Wayne cameo in the first one. Oh yeah. <laughs> so there's like yeah. four active Batmans right now. Exactly. Yeah. Plus anything that potentially might happen on TV or on HBO Max or anything like that. Uh, but yeah, Batman obviously massive. Uh, franchise between the Tim Burton movies, the Joel Schumacher movies, the Christopher Nolan movies, and then obviously I think Matt Reeves' The Batman is my most anticipated upcoming movie. I'm just kind of it kind of sucks that movie got delayed, but I don't even know when that movie's coming out anymore. I think it's like October 2022, but that could be wrong. Uh, that might be right. It sounds right. Uh, but yeah, I think you know he has so many great villains that I think unlike. Superman, who has more villains, they just kind of continuously go back to uh, Lex Luthor and Zod. I think Batman's villains are so prominent enough that they can bounce around between, you know, his top six or seven and make it in in different eras. It doesn't feel as stale with, you know, we've seen Bane twice. We've seen uh, the Riddler once. Joker. Yeah, Joker twice. We've seen the Riddler once, but he's going to be in the Batman. We've seen the Penguin once, and he's also going to be in the Batman We've seen Catwoman twice now. But yeah, we've got Ra's al Ghul once, and they're still Two-Face twice now. Uh, but yeah. Scarecrow once. Well, yeah, yeah, Scarecrow once, but throughout... He's the only villain yeah. throughout the entire Nolan trilogy. But I right. think, yeah, having so many great villains that I think lend to various genres within movies. Like, you have Jokers as kind of fit into any genre you want, but the Penguin can kind of fit a more mobstery type movie if you want the riddler can fit a more mystery villain uh, two-face and Harvey dent can fit a more law themed movie if you want so yeah i think yeah so many of his villains for, for me that's what i like a lot about about batman too is it can transcend genres so much as a franchise like when you think of something like the marvel movies and i have a lot of fun with those but they do all kind of start to feel the same and you think about like tim burton's batman compared to nolan's batman compared to snyder's batman compared to the six batman those are like rationally different characters but at the same time they have like the core of what batman is so i think batman is interesting one of those few characters that you can really change and really do a lot with and change the whole tone change the whole style really do a totally different look and a totally different uh director and everything can be different and it can still be batman so that's what i really like about batman every time every time you go into a new take on batman you don't really know what you're going to get the, the core thing is going to be there like the tenets of the character are going to be there but you don't know what version of that character is going to be on the screen you know i'm going to walk into bat breeze batman and it could be anything <laughs> and i love that about the character yeah, i yeah, feel like or go ahead i was just gonna say i did just look it up because october did sound right but i think it was october 2021 now it's march of 2022 so it's, it's sooner than than oh, okay. at I least that but that makes at, that's at least for now hopefully it doesn't get pushed again but yeah i, I really hope yeah. that that still is the date yeah I don't know if I could wait till October 22, but I guess I'll have to if they end up pushing it back a full year. But yeah, one of the one I think too with like Matt Reeves' Batman is going to explore more the psychological aspect of like how a deranged person that goes on to like fight crime in their city, where you have more of like Batman and Robin, which is more just like the like, oh he dresses up in a superhero costume and fights crime. But I think Tim Burton's Batman dabbled with that a little bit. And Christopher Nolan's Batman was more almost like a revenge type thing of like he just wanted revenge on crime as a whole. It wasn't really like a whole psychological deep dive into the character of Bruce Wayne where I feel like Matt Reeves' Batman might be. 
Yeah, and I'm really looking forward to that. And I, because I think Robert Pattinson would, is a great actor to portray that if they really yeah. want to dive deep because he has a lot of different... He's shown a lot of range in his movies outside of Twilight. If you know, if a lot of people have only seen that, go go watch all of his other movies, really. Yeah. But um, so I think that could be really cool—a really true year one kind of style Batman, or yeah. within. I think it's in the second year, maybe. Yeah. But um, yeah, yeah think, it, I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah, I think it's going to be kind of a similar timeline to what the Tim Burton Batman was, where it's like he had just kind of somewhat establishes himself as Batman. I don't think got like a full batman begins story i think it's gonna be like there's yeah. been rumors of this guy going around but it's not like a known thing of batman's real and, he, and he's clearly based on the trailer still working like he's already working with gotham pd yeah. like he was able to walk into the crime scene and they you know kind of know what's going on so unless that's like late into the movie uh it seems like it's more of an establishing thing for what's yeah. going on and, and so he's definitely been around I'm curious to see Colin Farrell as the Penguin because in that makeup he's unrecognizable. Yeah, I'm really oh, for excited. Sure. For I that. don't think he's. I kind of doubt he's in the movie too much, but I really want to see it. Yeah, yeah, I think that cast is all really good. I'm really excited to see Matt Reeves' tone on the Batman character and yeah. that all that cast is. I think, like you said, I don't think Colin is going to be in it all that much, but I imagine this is going to be kind of a setup for a potential like Matt Reeves trilogy. I would think so. You might have Penguin for like a couple of scenes, and then maybe in the second movie he's like the main antagonist, something like that. Or he could be kind of what Scarecrow was in uh, the Nolan trilogy, if he's just kind of in the background throughout. I wouldn't mind that. I'd like just to, I'd like the world of Batman to kind of be created to have these characters around that can yeah. pop up yeah. and be a major player, or can just be oh they're involved in a scheme or they know information that Batman needs or something like that. For sure, and I'm really interested to see Andy Serkis as Alfred because I think Alfred's kind of an underrated character in like the Batman mythos. I think he is elevated a little bit in pop culture with Michael Caine in the Nolan trilogy, but I think he's kind of at least outside of comics is just portrayed as like, oh, Batman's like Butler, like he's a friendly, trusted Butler. Mm -hmm. But if you read the comics and stuff, he's more like a, it's basically a lot more like a father-son figure and father-son relationship. Oh, yeah. Yep. There's a lot of father-son parallels in the Batman comics, whether it's with Alfred and Bruce yeah. or whether it's with, you know, Bruce and, and Dick or yeah. his actual son, Damien, or yeah. whatever. You know, it's a lot of stuff. I, I really want him to get into uh, the Dick Grayson Nightwing story without uh, Chris O'Donnell. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, just actually do a, um, a story of this essentially father-son relationship where he ends up kind of rebelling be, and taking on his own city like i'd like to yeah. see the bloodhaven story for sure how how would you feel if in the flash we get also get chris o'donnell as dick grayson but who has become batman that is a weird twist <laughs> on that but i would honestly for the flash movie uh for what it seems like they're doing i'd be up to see just about anything as long as it's not now this is our batman but if it's a scene and we see that that has happened i'm yeah. okay with that like I think if that's he goes what if he goes to see what if the you know Ben Affleck, uh, Bruce Wayne sends Barry Allen to like the other flat, or somehow sends him to like the other uh, Batman or whatever. And Barry Allen is in this other universe looking for Batman, and he finds Batman, and he takes off his cowl, and it's Chris O'Donnell, and he's like not Bruce Wayne, and uh, Barry Allen's just confused. So Chris O'Donnell, Batman, takes him to Bruce Wayne. 
I mean, hey, if he's if that's the extent <laughs> of basically they of what they do with that, sure, why not? I I would think fine. it would be amazing, and I would give the movie a <laughs> yeah. ten out of ten just for no, that. No, I would I would love it. It's, but like I said, as long as then he's not Batman going forward, <laughs> I'm good with it. Oh no, yeah, it well, would just be for this movie. I, it wouldn't yeah. be like oh yeah, Chris O'Donnell is the DCEU Batman moving forward. <laughs> right. Now that Ben yeah. Affleck's hanging out with J Lo again, but yeah. So yeah, I can't wait for that one. It'll be a fun one because it'll get so ridiculous. I'm, I think it's going to be very ridiculous, and yeah. I would love to see yeah. it. Like especially because Batman, outside of like the early takes on him, is a very serious character. So it'll be fun to see him thrown into like a essentially what's going to seem like a comedy. <laughs> Speaking of like the different takes on Batman, is there any take anyone wants to see on Batman that maybe is adapted from the comics or inspired by the comics that we haven't really seen yet in movies? Because I have one I'd like, for me. I mean, I do too. One of my go-tos is The Long Halloween. I think that's yeah. a really good story. But I, I'd like to see Hush, Yeah, that storyline, because that animated – they did an animated version of it, and then obviously the comics, I think, is a really cool story and, and a villain that you can really – like, you know, people that know Hush as a character from the comics will yeah. kind of know if they do it, like the twist kind of in the in the comic. Yeah. But I think it'll – it can – it shows a lot of like almost like mask the phantasm a little, little bit of yeah. what it does for Bruce Wayne's character. Yeah. Um, so I'd like to see that. Yeah, I think Hush is definitely the type of story that you could launch another trilogy with. Not that I think they're going to launch another Batman trilogy when Matt Reeves finishes whatever he's doing, but I definitely with because it's a nice introduction to most of his villains. So, mm-hmm. uh, Tristan, what was your what were you going to say for you? For me, not necessarily a specific comic arc, but I would like them to get into the Bat family. I think Batman has a really interesting supporting cast. We talked about Nightwing, but I think Batgirl is one of my favorite DC characters. I think she's a great character. You have the whole arc of her becoming Oracle, and you have the representation of a paralyzed character on screen. And I think that would be a great character to bring into a Batman franchise, not just Batgirl, but the whole family. Most of the time when we get Batman, he's early on in his career. Like The Nolan trilogy was like an origin story essentially and we did get like through to rises but we never really got like batman's been doing this for a really long time and now he's kind of like raised this group of people who are going to take it up after he's gone like that was kind of an element in rises but it wasn't really a big focus of it so i'd like to see them get into the more of the bat family especially batgirl but just that element of batman who is this loner who doesn't have like a family connection growing as a character into the point where he can have a family where he can have these connections and have these people around him that he relies on i think that's growth to the character that i love to see the big screen character the big screen version of that character take on who's been kind of stagnant he's always kind of like the dark outsider character and if he does have one connection that's like the last arc of the movie or something (laughs) so i'd like to see like an actual storyline of him overcoming and building this family yeah and we are getting a batgirl movie uh granted it's going to be on hbo max but um leslie grace who i thought was awesome and in the heights just got cast as her and uh i think that could be a cool a cool movie and i hope that they do kind of go into the family like bat family but dynamic eventually with introducing characters like batgirl and like i said hopefully nightwing at some point yeah for sure and for me i don't know if i necessarily have like and well one thing i was gonna add for tristan's is it kind of feels like the superman and lois but of batman where it's kind of like we've never really Mm -hmm. gone that far in the comics before so let's do it with a tv show which i kind of like with superman and lois but i feel like yeah like having a franchise that kind of maybe just starts with him being an established character that everyone in his universe knows and finding 
you know, Dick Grayson, and then by the end of the trilogy, end of, you know, the series of movies, you have the entire Bat family there, and maybe it ends with Bruce Wayne dying and, like, leaving his legacy would be kind of a cool uh, series of movies. But for me, the take I'd love to see is, like, a boots-on-the-ground, limited-technology Batman movie set in 1939, which was when the character was released in comics, and I think that could be kind of interesting. You take all of the kind of mythos and stories that have been created since then and kind of go back in time and have a Batman movie that's dealing with like the early 40s mob would be kind of an interesting story yeah that'd be really cool I'd like at this point we've seen Batman a lot and I'd like a different take like that you know to change it up all right does anyone have anything else they'd like to add about Batman before we move on to Tristan's franchise that's all I got all right Tristan what is your favorite uh, uh, summer blockbuster franchise for me I want to stick within the superhero genre here a little bit but move to the other side of the aisle and talk about Spider-Man Okay, I think Spider-Man yeah. is a really iconic character that's uh, that's Raimi trilogy was such a monumental part of my childhood and I think a lot of our childhoods were in the similar age group where that especially Spider-Man 2 for me was like a huge movie to watch when I was a kid and it really proved a lot of the critics are wrong about superhero movies and we, we take superhero movies for granted now but I think back then there was this idea that okay people, X-Men made some money but maybe that's just like a fluke of this one franchise and nothing else has really worked and then Spider-Man came along and proved that it can work, it can not only work but it can be great to a way that I think hasn't been topped yet that Raimi trilogy and we, we do see multiple takes on a character like Andrew Garfield's take and it's kind of like this underrated kind of forgotten take that I think has slowly gained a lot of like fan appreciation and maybe on this new movie assuming he's in it he'll have a bit of a revival in that character and that's another character too where there's been different takes on it you got the spider-man game which is a much different take than the spider-man movie much different take than the cartoons have been he's not quite as versatile as batman has been on the big screen but we did get spider-verse we were starting to slowly expand the the image of spider-man on the big screen and i think with Spider-Verse and that huge cast, all the potential of that, I think, is going to be, is going to make Spider-Man an even bigger franchise going forward than it already has been. So I think Spider-Man is huge. And, like, Far From Home is, by a mile, the most anticipated movie of the year for a lot of people. I think it'll be the one that breaks 100 million, if anything does, in 2021. And the fact that this franchise is still kicking after multiple reboots and multiple, like, failed movies that they had to pick up the pieces after, like, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, that's one I was going to bring up possibly. Like, I was debating whether I was going to do Batman or Spider-Man, but it's because of mainly the Raimi movies specifically. Like, the first one had a really big impact. uh, That one of the movies that I saw in theaters that was, like, a pop culture, like, it was, like, change and everything. Everyone in school was then saying, with great power becomes becomes great responsibility and all that. Like, it was a, you know, it was the first time I ever saw a hero get kind of bloodied and beat up at the end like that. Um and it was very that was very visceral and kind of a cool experience for me at that age um so i, I love the Raimi. well the, the first two the third one has some good moments it's bad. but it's just not it's good very, it's not very good. very very bad. yeah it has that was one of the more disappointing experience i've ever had but um the reason i didn't bring it up is because i i love tom holland as spider-man but those movies so far have been good but not it didn't it doesn't kind of have the special um I don't know. It doesn't. It doesn't quite hit the same to me as the Raimi movies, but I do like them. They're and I love Tom Holland, so I'm really. I really want to see what they do with um, No Way Home. 
um, especially with all the different possibilities of like multiverse, spider verse kind of deal that they're doing. Uh, that's people are saying they're doing. I, I I'm on my hot take now. I, I've posted in a chat that me and Tristan are in that I am actively rooting for all of those rumors and speculation to just be wrong. And Andrew Garfield and Tom or Andrew Garfield and Tommy McGuire are not in that movie at all. And it has nothing to do with the multiverse and basically all of the speculation and theories. And I just want to watch all of the well, fanboys freak the fuck out when they watch to the be, movie. And it has nothing to, be to do fair, with To be fair to some of the speculation, one of them is literally Alfred Molina saying he's <laughs> in the movie and talking about his role as Doc. And God. Jamie Foxx. Oh, yeah. I forgot Jamie about Fox. that aspect of it, but those two have, <laughs> announced that they are in it yeah uh but I, I still would love if like it deals with the multiverse but andrew garfield and and uh toby mcguire are just not in the movie at all they may not or at least both of them may not but i i think they probably will but uh, there's my... a good possibility that at least one of them is yeah i i think it would just be hilarious if they're if it still deals with the multiverse and we get villains from other universes but actual Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire are not in the movie, I think would be hilarious. I, I'm kind of curious why we haven't gotten that trailer yet. I have my theory that Sony is still kind of waiting to actually see if they want to release this movie yet. Uh, because all of these movies so far are still kind of underperforming. And with the whole Delta variant and all that picking up, I, I, I would understand why a studio would be cautious about releasing their big movie of the year right now. But back to actual Spider-Man at hand, uh, I'm not as high on the Raimi trilogy as you guys are. Like, I respect it. It's good. It's just not one that I normally go back to. For me, my two favorite Spider-Man movies are Homecoming and Into the Spider-Verse. I go back and forth on which one I like more. But I think I think at the time, because they were released roughly around the same time, I liked Homecoming more. But I find myself going back and seeing uh, Into the Spider-Verse more than Homecoming. And I just like the story and uniqueness of it. And I still remember when it was announced that Sony is doing an animated Miles Morales Spider-Man movie, people were, like, basically just saw it as them, like, trying to compete with Marvel and being like, oh, Marvel handled their movie well, so now they want to come out and make a show that they can make a good Spider-Man movie and didn't really see it as, like, oh, this movie's going to win Best Animated Oscar, so. I think uh, Spider-Man is a really fascinating franchise for me because I love that high and low. Like, you'd walk into a Spider-Man movie and it could be terrible or it could be awesome. Like... (laughs) For me, that's kind of a thrill of a, of a big franchise, especially like a blockbuster-style franchise that's trying to appeal to so many people. Like, there's always the risk you can walk in and it's just bad, and you're like, yeah. oh, well, that one was rough. Like, I think Spider-Man is a fun character, and I think the fact that, like, Spider-Man 3 came out and it was terrible and it was awful, but people still want Tobey Maguire to come back for the new one, and people still watch those movies and love them. And even both of the Andrew Garfield movies weren't received all that well, especially the second one. People are still like, hey, Andrew Garfield, come on back, be Spider-Man. Like, People yeah. are still accepting of that man as Spider-Man and those, uh, both of those actors as Spider-Man, versus like if I think if George Clooney was announced that he's going to come back and be Batman, like a supporting like the supporting Batman in the, in the next Batman movie, people would be like, "That's awful." George Clooney was terrible. We don't want him back. Yeah. But Spider-Man is somehow different. People are able to kind of accept the flaws of it yeah. and and almost celebrate the flaws of it and the cheesiness of it, like the whole Rami memes kind of thing online. People love to quote the cheesy lines of the Rami trilogy and. All the and the, the Raimi trilogy does have a lot of cheese, a lot of like Raimi's classic staple cheese. But I think that's kind of the fun of it. They're not necessarily taking themselves super, super seriously. I think sometimes franchises do take themselves too seriously, and I want to remind them like these are superhero movies, guys. <laughs> like it doesn't have to be that serious. I think Spider-Man has a perfect balance of of humanity and heart in the characters, but also just like fun and levity and 
that's exactly what I want out of a blockbuster. You have the heart there, but you also have the levity and the fun, and that gives you like the in theater chills and the thrills and cheers. Yeah, yeah for sure. I, I was just gonna say really quick the part of because uh, I because like I said, I still love Tom Holland and I do like those those movies, but part of it. Uh, for whatever reason connecting with the mcu and tying him so much into like iron man and even the villains coming a lot from that character um takes a little bit of like the specialness i guess away from uh spider-man as a as a hero um so i think it's the only one that i felt this way about and maybe it's because we've had previous franchises with him uh where him tying into the mcu has to me hurt the character at least just a little bit like i still am entertained i think he's an awesome spider-man but i don't get the same feeling and punch i do when it's just him battling his issues rather when he can bounce it off of these other mcu characters yeah that makes sense and one of the things i wanted to go back to a little bit with what tristan was saying about like having these you know characters come like potentially andrew garfield coming back in no way home or toby mcguire and like that my dream for ben affleck's batman movie was we would get a boardroom scene of wayne enterprises and in the boardroom we would have like adam west and christian bale and uh uh what's his face george clooney and whoever else has played yeah you know val kilmer uh what's his face that does the most voice work for batman maybe even throw diedrich bader in there too will arnett yeah will arnett just <laughs> yeah, like anyone that's ever played or yeah. voiced batman just in the scene in the room yeah kevin conroy by the way yeah kevin yeah. conroy that's whose name was all i could think was kevin kiner and i'm like that's the guy who does the music yeah. for the animated star wars shows and but yep. close enough but anyway but yeah that was kind of my dream scenario for the ben affleck batman movie boardroom scene because that's That'd what i think cool. about during the day um uh, <laughs> anyway so yeah spider-man I do think, you know, somewhat because of, like, his age of being, like, a uh, high school slash college age student, you're kind of limited on what you can do, just because I don't know if you can necessarily go as dark as with something like a Batman. Uh, so I think you're somewhat limited, and also I think partially because his villains aren't as popular as, say, Batman's villains. I think a lot of the popularity of his villains does come from the movies, especially. Like, I don't really know if there's a villain that hasn't been featured in a movie that is like anywhere close to like a household name yeah i think his like spider-man's villains he has a few of them that are great but it's not as like not as much of a variety as batman like you can throw just about any any batman villain other than i mean they're even doing it in suicide squad with polka dot man you know they're throwing all these random characters in but with spider-man there's a lot of just generic ones but the obvious ones that I think would become huge if they were to do it and they're making a solo movie of it is Craven the Hunter yep. um, is one. And I mean, yeah, you could do all the different goblins like Hobgoblin and all that, but like it's kind of derivative. Um, but yeah, there's, there's some ones you could go to, but it's definitely not as, as like in depth as Batman's characters. Yeah. So to our Batman conversation, is there any kind of interpretation or like story of Spider-Man that you would want to see in a Spider-Man movie that we haven't gotten yet? I would love to get us. We've seen Spider-Gwen in, in Into the Spider-Verse, but I'd love to see more of that character. I think uh, that comic book is really colorful and really fascinating, and the art style is great, so I'd love to see that yeah. adapted into a movie. And I, I'm sure we're going to get more of her in more of the Spider-Verse stuff, and maybe even in uh, Far From Home, depending on how 
or whatever the next one's called, No Way Home. Yeah, No Way, <laughs> yeah, no way, way Home. Home. If they go into the Spider-Verse stuff, they could even get that. But I'd love to get more of her. And I would also like to get Peter Parker out of like that high school, early college age that we know him from. That's I love him as that age range of the character, but I think it would be fun to age him up just a little bit, get him let He's graduated college. He's trying to like move into adulthood a little bit. That kind of a thing would be interesting. A little bit more in the same age range as like maybe the people who watched the original Spider-Man uh, trilogy when it came out, like something that would relate to us a bit more. Because I love the high school age Spider-Man, but I would like to see a slightly older take on him, a little bit more mature take on him. That's not just like, the, oh, wow, guys, what are we doing next, guys? Like, I'm a little bit tired of that t of that Tom Holland take on Spider-Man. So I'd like to get a bit more of a put-together mature Peter Parker. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, similar to that um, mature, I there's a story in the comics that is, it can be very goofy when you, like, and, and it can be made fun of a lot, but I think it could actually make if you do it sincerely a pretty interesting story if you want to go a little darker with spider-man is that he's older um married to mary jane but his uh, the the change that his body went through with the spider bite actually gives gives her cancer and it can be a little bit more serious dealing with maybe the effects of having the superpowers and all that type of stuff you don't have to you know have her you know die or whatever but just go through that type of scenario I guess like yeah. a, this, you know, that would be pretty interesting. And then the other thing on a very different side of it is I'd like to see them use Madam web more. Um, Cause they have, I think they said they're going to introduce her. Uh, but like to, to have that, what that character brings to Spider-Man, like in the animated series that I, that like the one from the nineties um, would be a lot of fun. I think that could be cool. I want black cat to show up too. I, I like yep. black cat. That'd be a fun character. Black cat's cool. Okay. Felicity well, Jones was supposed to be her. Let me pitch <laughs> this. Cast. A A24 style Nicolas Cage starring Spider-Man movie with like a is it, 55, 60 year old Peter Parker. Is he is he Spider Noir though? No, he he has to, he's Peter Parker. I, my original idea was I just want a Spider he Noir be, movie, but then you started he talking be about Ben Riley wanting an older Peter Parker, and I said no, just give me Nicolas Cage as like 60 year old Peter Parker. He should just be aged movie. clone Ben Riley, just so that he's not Peter Parker, and you can do whatever you want with him. Because no one likes the clone saga, so just like throw him in there. <laughs> Classic right. clone saga. One of the first yeah. comic books I, one of the first Spider-Man arcs I read, and I was like, "This is this is the best they're gonna give me." <laughs> yeah, it's 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 something. I'll be honest; I've never been a big like Spider-Man. Like I've enjoyed the movies, but like his comics are just nothing I ever like went out and searched for. So. Yeah. Does anyone have anything else to add about Spider-Man? I think we've covered it pretty good. I like it. I like oh. where we ended it. All right. And now it's time for my pick. And I'm going to move a little bit out of the comic book world and go a little bit further out to a galaxy far, far away. Because how can you mm -hmm. not talk about, you know, summer blockbuster franchises without talking about Star Wars? And so... We're going to talk about a franchise that I feel like isn't talked about enough on the internet, and that's, <laughs> and that's Star Wars. Yeah. I've never heard of that one. Oh, well, you should check it out. Yeah. Uh, well, I have yeah. Batman and uh, Star Wars behind me. I don't have Spider-Man behind me, but... Yeah. yeah, I think it was the uh, woman that's working as the showrunner on The Acolyte that's coming to Disney+, Plus, and she kind of described mm -hmm. her view of Star Wars, which I, made me realize what mine is, is I don't really between like the books and the shows and the movies i don't really view them each as like independent media she like said she views them all as kind of like this window 
into like this universe or world that already exists and so it's like she doesn't really like separate it out as like these individual things she kind of views it all as just like this one massive thing and i think that's similar to how i view it as well it's just like this big massive story that at this point in time basically spans like 60 to 70 years in this galaxy uh but you know i think it's one of those things that lends itself just like how we were talking with batman to these different genres i mean they're coming out with rogue squadron which is essentially going to be just like this pilot top gun war movie you could go like super fantasy type movie you could you know do a criminal movie and any genre you could want to do you could put in the star wars universe and have it be like this big epic tale and so i think that's kind of why i lean towards star wars as far as movie fandoms go yeah i mean for sure star wars is definitely one of my favorite if not my favorite like if i didn't choose batman like star wars is probably the one i mean it's just it's it's, again like you said never talked about on the internet at all so i (laughs) I, you know i I avoided it a little bit but um so i i had my top three i was gonna say star wars or star wars was my number one and i said if no one says star wars then i'll say batman if no one says batman mm -hmm. i'll say mcu but i'm like i was then i was debating between after you said batman i was debating do i want to do star wars or mcu and i did after tristan did spider-man i didn't want to do mcu so i'm like i guess i'll just do star wars yeah but like star wars i mean if you go in my basement right now there are like four lightsabers there's uh hot toys of a bunch of things there's whatever a a kylo ren helmet like i love the franchise it's amazing i think it has the biggest like world i mean galaxy literally but like the world of star wars with all that you can do with it is so vast and expansive and like you said you can do anything with it that it's very versatile and i hope that they going forward you know straying away from like the main storyline yeah. now um can tell a bunch of different stories like yeah. mandalorian like the the yeah. acolyte like all yeah. the stuff so i think I'm that's kind of that. seems to be what they're doing between like with the books and stuff going to the high republic i imagine it won't be very long before we're getting a high republic movie my my theory on the taika waititi movie is it's gonna be like potentially even before jedi were a thing just based on the logo and kind of hints they given that's kind of the vibe i'm getting is it's going to be like in the star wars universe but before like potentially even before jedi were a thing obviously with acolyte coming out that's pre phantom menace uh rogue squadron we're not 100 percent sure when it's taking place but just based on like subtext i think it might even be post episode nine could be um, I can see that. Just because they keep saying, like, a new generation of heroes, and it's like, okay, are we, is it a new generation of heroes? Because it's just, like, heroes in a generation we've seen before, but these are new heroes, or is it literally a new generation? Because it's, like, the generation after episode nine. Um, who knows? But, yeah, I, I think it's with Mandalorian, and then, like, they're carving out their own little space between, uh, the original trilogy and the sequels on Disney Plus, where you have like The Mandalorian, Book of Boba Fett, Ahsoka. Uh, I guess Kenobi's kind of taking in that place that they haven't really covered so much in TV and film. Yeah, it doesn't seem to be so much of like Skywalker centric right now. I really like that because I think that is the potential of the Star Wars galaxy, just the getting really wide and expanding like decades and decades of time and space. And I think that's. Like you mentioned that Star Wars is like this conglomerate of things and all kinds of IP have like books and movies and TV shows inspired by them, but they're just kind of there, you know, like Disney movies have shows inspired by them. There's Star Trek books and the Star Trek animated shows, but those don't quite feel like 
when there's a Star Wars show, it feels like a, a Star Wars event. If, when there's a Star Wars, even an animated show yeah. that could just be a dumb kids show, it feels like something that the fans are watching, the fans are engaged with. And yeah. to have a franchise that engages the fandom to that level is just really, really impressive. And I also want to mention like the generational elements of Star Wars. I think when you're talking about franchises, that's something that could be really appealing. Something like James Bond that's run for decades and decades mm -hmm. that has this like multiple generation of, uh, appeal. And I think Star Wars is like the purest embodiment of that. Like our parents have their nostalgia for the original trilogy. And then I have my nostalgia for like the prequels. And now I'm sure kids now are going to have the nostalgia for the sequel trilogy. And we have these three distinct generations that all kind of connect to this one franchise. It was very cool experience to walk into the force awakens and sit down opening night. And you're seeing people who are in their seventies here watching it. You're seeing people who are teenagers, people who are 10 years old and like a franchise that can bond people that, different from that many walks of life is really, really great. I, I'm disappointed the fandom has become so divided and toxic and political recently. I wish that it wouldn't because I think Star Wars could be a unifying kind of experience. Yeah. <laughs> and I hope it can get back to being that. But yeah, I love Star Wars. It's, I mean, I have everything from this tiny little Padme action figure that I bought and I have a custom built Ben Swolo statue right behind me back there off camera. I have collar and helmets. I've got plenty of statues, plenty of action figures like Star Wars is what brought me into movies, and I don't think any mm -hmm. franchise has impacted movie making and impacted Hollywood as much as Star Wars has. So you got to talk about that on an episode like this. Yeah, and what you're saying too about like the how political and divided it is it always like reveals to me stupid people when they're always like, oh, like why did Disney have to go and make Star Wars political? It's like you know, Return of the Jedi was like a reaction to the Vietnam War, right? Just so you know, America, not like the Ewoks in the Rebellion, you know. And then also, like, Revenge of the Sith and the whole Palpatine thing. Definitely, like, a response to the Bush administration. So, Yeah, know. there's a lot of fascist yeah. imagery in fascist, the original yeah, Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. the Empire are definitely not Nazis. Like, <laughs> yeah. You know. Yeah. Literal yeah. stormtroopers. Yeah. Yep. They're literally called stormtroopers. Yeah, people mm -hmm. are. I saw, I saw the unrelated, but it was a uh, thing on where like the u.s army or the u.s marines or something had posted something a few months back in celebration of pride month and one of the comments was the military should not be enrolled in politics and i'm like what the, the military I, I don't the, the military is I, I, yeah. I was like i don't i didn't know that much stupid could fit inside a person but um yeah. but yeah like star wars has always been politics star wars is essentially like old stories that george lucas grew up on all combined together and packaged into you know one thing he's kind of like quentin tarantino before quentin tarantino was tarantino where he basically oh here's all the things i love i'm just gonna combine them and put them up you know and, and be inspired by the whole joseph campbell hero's journey yep. and put them all into mm -hmm. one one thing it's basically all started from a guy who wanted to make uh uh, now I'm blanking on the franchise he actually wanted to do, but was told no and couldn't do it. Uh, yeah. Um, um, Flash Gordon. Flash Gordon. I'm yeah, like he wanted the one. To... I'm like the the Queen song. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. like... He want he wanted to make a Flash Gordon movie and he was yeah. told no, so he's basically I'm gonna make a rip off of Flash Gordon and it's gonna become way more popular. Just mm -hmm. like Peter Jackson wanted to make King Kong and they told him mm -hmm. no, and so he made Lord of the Rings. And then after Lord of the Rings, he's like, so how about that King Kong? And they were like, sure. Yeah, we'll let you make a four-hour movie. Cause... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> you made those movies for us. Oh, uh, but yeah, Star Wars is a massive franchise that anytime, like, 
you know, episode eight and nine came out and people were like, Star Wars is dead. It's like people said that after the prequels. Like, all I think Star Wars is always like one movie away from being like the next big thing. I think the MCU will eventually die off. I think people will get tired of it. And I think Star Wars, like the little cockroach in a nuclear apocalypse, will always be there. There's going to be a new Star Wars movie. Someone who was inspired by a movie that hasn't even come out yet to make movies. And he's going to, he or she or they or whatever is going to go and make a new era of Star Wars movie that's going to inspire the next generation. Because I think at the end of the day, these are just like simple morality tales wrapped up in, you know, big kind of explosions and lightsaber duels and all these things. Yeah, it's expanded so much you can tell so many different stories and so it's so versatile that it will live on. Like there's there's yeah. gonna be stories told in this universe for the rest of our lives and yeah. going and after that, I think. Yeah. Um, there's there's gonna be a time where people the hate from episode eight and nine subside and people just enjoy it for whatever it is and all of their speculation and theories have washed away and they just I think that's a lot of the problem with movies now especially that get hate that didn't used to get hate is people have all these theories and have all this built up anticipation for things that the filmmakers never intended on and when they don't see it then you know then they get mad and angry at the movie instead of just being like okay well this is the movie they made what are my thoughts on that not that episode 8 and 9 are these flawless masterpieces of film but I think yeah. that's kind of what happened with the prequels too of people just kind of let whatever thoughts or ideas they had and just accepted you know accepted what was in front of them over time yeah and I, I think The Last Jedi I do have some issues with that movie but I think no. that movie specifically is gonna be one that will just like the original trilogy inspire future filmmakers yeah. that are kids yeah. right now or kids when it came out um, because of how well it is put together as a film and shot and the risks yeah. it took um, and it's very memorable for a lot of reasons, um, you know, with this, even just with like killing Snoke, um, and, uh, the character, the way they portrayed Luke and all that. So people are, have their issues with it. They're, they may, yeah. that's going to die down eventually. And eventually it's going to be looked back on as probably one of the better made star Wars movies ever. So yeah, like here's I an idea. Be... Fight scenes were not intended to be viewed at like half speed with freeze frames, you know? That's... Yeah. But yeah, I think we're all kind of on yeah. the same boat of The Last Jedi. I think we all like it for the most part, I, but there is a large portion of people that did not enjoy it. But yep. uh, yeah, there's that. And, you know, I don't care who you are. I, I, I saw The Last Jedi, I think, two or three times in theaters, and every time when they cut to Luke hovering above the rock and you realize that he's still alive, everyone in that audience cheered. You know, I don't care. Yep. I don't care what your opinion is now. In that moment, you cheered. Mm-hmm. Um, does anyone else have anything they'd like to add about Star Wars before? Uh, I will ask: Is there any type of Star Wars movie you'd like to see that you know hasn't hasn't been made yet? We've talked about like a gritty crime Star Wars movie, and they said, "Oh, Rogue One's going to be that," and it wasn't that. And they said, "Oh, Boba Fett's going to," I mean, uh, Mandalorian's going to be that, and it wasn't quite that. So I'd like to see like a every man mm-hmm. underworld kind of story. I think yeah. my dream, I think ideal... Book of Boba Fett might be that. That's mm-hmm. what I'm. That's what I'm thinking. My ideal Star Wars story is like a boots on the ground, like you're you're a drug, you're a crime lord, and or you're just some drug runner, some like low level criminal in Coruscant the day that Anakin destroys the Jedi, the Jedi Temple, and you're kind of in the middle of that chaos, and the city's kind of going crazy. No one really knows what's going on. There's a new empire taking over, and you're just trying to get out of the city, and it's kind of like an escape movie. That would be my ideal Star Wars movie. 
that would have been my answers. So basically, so but my secondary answer is one that I think a lot of people have called for, and I think they're gonna do a version of probably eventually, which is some story set in the old Republic era, um, establishing when the Sith were actually created, uh, the, the war with the Sith and Jedi, and even maybe including the Mandalorian war in there. But like something, something where the Sith is actually established, and you get multiple. Um, Sith and Jedi, and they're kind of figuring it out back then, like, what what do each of them stand for, creating the rule of two, uh, all of that. So, like, some type of trilogy, and that could be really awesome, or even a TV show at this point. Yeah, there was a line in Revenge of the Sith, I think, it might be Technicons, I don't know, where Palpatine says, once more the Sith will rule the galaxy, and that's Mm. what I want to see. I want to see a movie where, you know, it's pre-rule of two, and you just have hundreds or thousands of Sith all over the galaxy, and they've nearly wiped out the Jedi to maybe a small handful, maybe a dozen, you know, dozen Jedi who have to go out and take out the Sith and restore peace to the galaxy. That's the trilogy I want. And that would show, because that would show to, like, what I would hope that would do is show that the reason the Rule of Two was established and the Sith start, they become so powerful that they start taking each other out and getting greedy and wanting the power and that's how the Jedi win. Yeah. Um, not just exactly. because they're the Jedi and the heroes, but because they're so evil and greedy, essentially. Yeah. Uh, you know, the whole point of, of the dark side, um, that they they were the downfall of their own, yeah. uh, you know, and there's, uh, rule. There's three... I know this is like movie change-up, but there are three TV shows that I want, and I think I've talked about them on our Disney Plus review, but basically the first one I want is... Uh, and now I'm blanking on all my TV shows that I want. Oh, the first one I want is an animated show, basically called Jedi Academy, that where Luke and Ben are your two protagonists, and the series starts with Ben being dropped off by Han and Leia, and ends with uh, Ben destroying the Jedi Temple, and through there you can just kind of get small lessons. It's an animated show, roughly aimed to the same people that Rebels was aimed at. Uh, the other one, an, another animated show, but a more darker show. Basically, I want a show that focuses on Crimson Dawn. Uh, I would, you know, I'd want it to be kind of a show where maybe you don't necessarily have a main character, but throughout the show, you kind of see the rise of Crimson Dawn, Crimson Dawn at its height, and then the fall of Crimson Dawn. And then third and finally, the other show I want, I guess, also an animated show, because that seems to be where Star Wars shows are at their best is a hondo show where the idea of canon is thrown out the window and it's just hondo telling stories of different times he helped save the galaxy that are sometimes fully true sometimes half truth and sometimes fully completely lies like there could be an episode where he claims to fight darth vader and you see a video or you know you see him fighting a 10 foot tall darth vader who's like has a mouth up this time and his mouth moves and there's stories where uh, he has to help Han out of a bind, and Han is like this great, cunning, you know, smuggler that's really good at his job. And then there's other times where Hondo has to go save Han, and Han is just this complete bubbling idiot buffoon. And you could just kind of see all of the galaxy through Hondo's eyes. I think it could be a fun, fun show. Uh, but that sounds like a fun one. I know you're a Hondo fan, so I'm sure yeah. you'd be into that. My number one favorite character in Star Wars is Darth Maul. My number two is Hondo. So. <laughs> I love the Clone Wars arc where they're fighting against each other. It's amazing. But I think that kind of wraps up our Star Wars discussion. Um, does anyone have anything else they want to throw out there as far as franchises or individual movies they want to talk about? 
I have one individual movie I want to talk about, and it's part of a franchise, but I think it's become like a one of the ones that people oh yeah, one sucked, and I think they maybe deserves a rewatch. And for me, that's Jurassic World: Fallen Kingdom. I think people really, really didn't like this one, but I think if you go back and watch it again, that's, I think especially the first half is really, really good, and I think the second half gets into some really, really cheesy territory. But I think even the second half is shot really well, and there's some really, really striking imagery and and in this movie throughout so if you're gonna watch it watch it on a nice tv and you can find it for pretty cheap i bought this for like five bucks so if you want to get a rewatch to a nice gorgeous looking movie with some really good effects some cool dinosaurs and some really bad <laughs> villains and some really cheesy uh kind of plot but i had a good time with it and i think it might be worth a revisit if you are one of the people who thinks it sucks and maybe you got a third one coming out so maybe it's a good chance to rewatch this one all right, I will right, say. So, I, I'll say if yeah, you're watching ahead. me and Bobby smiling right now, uh, while during the pre-show while waiting for Tristan to get on, what we were talking about as Tristan got on was the Jurassic Park franchise, and me saying I've never seen Fallen Kingdom because I didn't really care about Jurassic World, and everyone said it sucked. Fallen Kingdom sucked, and then Bobby was just telling me all the reasons why Fallen Kingdom sucked. So. <laughs> Tell me about yeah. it. So, so here's the thing with Fallen Kingdom, it it is directed and shot beautifully, and there's some awesome scenes. The opening is one of the best scenes in a Jurassic Park movie. It's very, very cool, um, and there's some good moments. But the the first Jurassic World didn't make me care about the characters. It was just kind of a fun movie. The second movie made me care less about the characters, and actually dislike our heroes for the most part um i think they became dumb uh and like contradictory to where their characters should be at this point based on everything that's happened um but for the most part it's just that it's a very messy like you said plot for the most part and like and script not just the plot but the actual like script and dialogue i think is is bad um it, the cg and everything like yeah it's very well shot there's some really cool scenes but as a story for someone who if you didn't bring up a movie, uh, which was Fallen Kingdom, I was about to talk about the first Jurassic Park, which is one of my favorite movies of all time, um, as an individual movie in a franchise that has been up and down since. Um, I enjoy two somewhat, you know, I, I can watch it. Three is just like a, a you know, a basic get off the island action movie, and it's, it's okay. Like, I saw it in theaters, and I really liked it then, and it's kind of just, you know gone downhill every, every time I watched it but the first Jurassic World is a fun movie and I liked it I'm like oh it's a return to form it's like a fun kind of thing uh, the second one feels like a movie that had a beginning point and they, they just knew at the end of the movie we need to set up this movie where the dinosaurs are free because that's where we really want to go with this franchise and they took two messy kind of movies to get there um, so it's making me not really look forward to the third one, even though I might end up liking it the best out of them because it's the movie that uh, they wanted to make in the first place. But the second one to me is just, it's a hard, it's hard to watch because of how bad the plot is. Basically even the first half, which is relatively entertaining. I don't like our heroes or our lead characters. So that's like one of the main problems. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's, it's a very well shot, well-directed. It's a guy, it's, it's scarier than the first Jurassic world. It has some, better thrills and intense stuff but the cloning the daughter that whole storyline is so bad and corny the bidding on the dinosaurs even when you look at the prices they pay for dinosaurs is silly like it's low ridiculously low for for these creatures um and the idea of using 
them for war and all that when like we have all this technology that will probably be better than a raptor running up on someone <laughs> like you know it's it's not exactly um yeah it's just it's, it wasn't for me uh and i hope i like the next one and there's a lot of nonsense in the plot to get things where they got to be. It feels almost like two movies that they merged into one movie and none of them it are is two quite movies. finished. <laughs> and, but like you said, I think it's shot really, really well. So if you, I bought on 4K at, for pretty cheap and just like, I love the visuals. I think it looks great. I think it has some really intense, thrilling scenes. And uh, yeah, the hero is not great, but I, I honestly like him a bit more in this than I did in the first one. I thought the first one, they were really like walking cliches. And in this one, I think they gave him a little bit more to work with yeah i always got the first jurassic world there i just think they're they're making our heroes take the complete wrong lessons from the original movie and like the the entire intrigue and the entire like um you know the entire character arcs and what our characters learned in the first movie and then you're taking that and be like all right now we want to save the dinosaurs and do all this stuff that no, we've shown that this does not they just shouldn't mess with it and even do it in the first place don't you know what are you doing um i just think they're you're making them take the wrong lessons from what's going on and then you have jeff goldblum uh as ian malcolm actually making the right points in the courtroom which he's in the movie for like three minutes but um he bookends the movie and he actually is like he's the one you should be listening to not our lead characters basically yeah, I, I I would chime in more, but I've seen two Jurassic Park movies, and it's the first one in Jurassic World, so it's all I know about these movies. Those, those are probably the two best. <laughs> first one's probably... really good. Jurassic World exists. I love the first yeah. one. I mean, obviously, that's an iconic movie, and I would probably put Fallen Kingdom at number two for me. I think it, it I really was impressed by it. I didn't like it the first time I watched it, but I've revisited it a couple of times, and it's really grown on me, so I'd probably put that at number yeah. two. But yeah, this is not a friend. Like, it's a franchise that is in the pop culture lexicon, but weirdly there's like one really good movie in the whole franchise <laughs> and mm. the rest of them are like, all right. Yep. Yeah. The first one, like I said, one of my favorite movies of all time, it goes back and forth, whether it's number one or not, but love it. Seen it a million times. Um, and because I like, you know, the characters, like I do like seeing like Ian Malcolm show up um, and Alan Grant show up, you know, in the second and third ones and that. So they're at least watchable to me. Jurassic world's fun. And I really just, yeah, Fallen Kingdom, very well shot movie that I don't like. <laughs> Anybody else got a movie to throw out there? Uh, nah, I was just gonna say, as Jay Bayona directed Fallen Kingdom, don't watch Fallen yeah. Kingdom, watch A Monster Calls. That yes, well, that is a much better movie. I would recommend watching that. I watched A Monster Calls in preparation for Fallen King, Fallen, yeah, Fallen Kingdom because he was announced to be directing it, and I'm like, oh, I. I'll I'll watch that and then I watched the monster calls was like this movie's great and everyone said Fallen Kingdom sucks and so I never actually ended up watching Fallen Kingdom uh, but the movie I'm going to throw out there is a movie that is one of our two posters and I think deserves to be talked about and that's Jaws Jaws is great it's the first kind of summer blockbuster came out in 75 it's about a shark that just goes around eating people and it's the only time that plot has ever worked in a movie that didn't suck it's kind oh, of oh yeah we've 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 talked about Jaws a lot on this show, especially yeah. Yeah. Johnny and you. But um, well, I, yeah. I, I knew if Johnny was here, he would have said it. But unfortunately, Johnny is no longer with us, or he's at work and couldn't be on today. You know, <laughs> you decide. He uh, got COVID. He's gone. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so Jaws, 
great movie, kind of a Steven Spielberg's coming out party. So, Quint Speech is great. If you know, if you watch Jaws and are like, I don't like this movie, then you just don't deserve to have any kind of screen in front of you ever. Yeah, if you um, if you are new to our show or at least started watching, you know, a little bit later on, uh, go search out. I think it might be clipped out on TikTok, or we will post it probably at some point. But Johnny. Uh, in his Jaws pitch that took place in Willy Wonka's factory, did a redo he his version of Quint's speech, and it's pretty great. Uh, earlier from our our show, so uh, go watch that, get a little taste of what our actual kind of debate show is like. But also, you know what doesn't need to happen? Dana Carvey as Quint in a Jaws video. Who would have done that? I, I mean, like, know. why would you do that? Somebody Such a bad did. idea. I. Uh, recently started a series on our YouTube channel. I edited the first video today. I'll be posting it tomorrow. It's called My Movie Backlog, where I'm going through movies that I meant to watch and I never have gotten the chance to get to. And I was going through a list of movies, trying to pick out some stuff, and I was watching some clips from Jaws, and I was thinking, I don't remember this scene very well. I don't think I've seen Jaws. <laughs> so I picked up Jaws, 4K Jaws, <laughs> I'll be watching it tomorrow, posting my review on our Movie Change Up YouTube channel. So check it out. I'll be posting it probably next week sometime, probably next Tuesday. My first time watching Jaws. I've seen it probably when I was a kid, but it's been so long that I have like no knowledge of the beat-for-beat scenes. Uh, I know some of the lines, some of the moments, but it'll essentially be a first-time watch, if not an actual first-time watch. So I'm excited to watch Jaws. <laughs> wow. I can't add wow. to the conversation, but I haven't seen it, I guess. That's crazy. I mean, but you know what? There are movies like that. I found you don't deserve movies... to be on our stream anymore. Yeah. He's gone. Bye, right. Tristan. You but know. there are movies, and I'm let's to have actual film aficionados here. Yeah, but there are movies like that where you grow up and you've probably seen it, or you know so much about it from pop culture that you think you've seen the like the movie and then yeah. realize you have haven't. I'm trying to remember what. That's how I feel. Like that would have been. I've yeah. seen all of the three Godfather movies, but that's how I mm. almost feel like the Godfather is. Like if you're like yeah. been around movies, if you haven't seen the Godfather, you've seen the Godfather because every scene in that movie, every line in that movie, has been referenced a hundred times in other things. Yep, and the story has kind of been taken mm. and um, you know at least referenced or homaged in a million movies since yeah. then. So. Same with um, uh, yeah. Risky Business, which is not like on the same level of The Godfather, but mm-hmm. I watched that for the first time like four or five years ago, and I realized, oh, every family sitcom that has come out since then has copied this plot. So if you've watched a few family sitcoms, you've essentially seen the entire plot of Risky Business. So if kids, parents are gone, you know, for the weekend, so he throws a party, and then an item gets broken at the party, so he decides to throw an even bigger party to make money to replace the item, and then at the end, there's one thing that he doesn't notice when he's cleaning up at the end, and he gets caught. And and everyone knows that's also another movie with a similar thing where, oh, I've seen that because you know the famous scene yeah. of Tom Cruise yeah. in his underwear dancing to old-time rock and roll. Exactly. So you so like you think, oh, yeah, I've seen that, and then you, you maybe watch another scene like, oh, wait. Maybe I just know that moment or exactly. something. And, like, you know, it's just part of pop culture. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right. Does anyone have anything else they want to throw out there or talk about as far as film franchises? Any any franchise that you think could maybe do with kind of like a Fast Five, a movie to come in and kind of reinvigorate a potentially dead or dying franchise? 
I have one suggestion. Uh, Transformers, I think, could use a really big oh, boost. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I like Bumblebee. Bumblebee. I brought Bumblebee yeah. up as a potential one to mention as like a mm -hmm. kind of forgotten entry in the franchise. I I enjoy Bumblebee. I wouldn't say like I love Bumblebee, but it was a, a pleasant change of pace for Transformers. So I'd like to see that franchise actually be good for once. Yeah, I watched that on a plane. I really liked it. I think if I think if all of the other Transformer movies didn't come out before then, I think Bumblebee would have been a bigger hit. But I think people are just so done and over with that franchise because so many of the movies have been bad. I almost think if they if you want to give that movie a fast five kind of treatment and just reinvent the franchise, I think don't even set it on Earth. I think do a complete off Earth transformers movie and then maybe it ends with them coming to earth or something but for the most part to just completely set yourself apart from everything else yeah i think transformers like there's a lot of built-in nostalgia for that ip and i think that's purely what those movies make money off of like people going and saying oh this one's gonna be good and then it's not and then they're like this next one comes out and the trailer's all right and people are like this one's gonna be good and then it's not and i i think that bubble is essentially kind of bursted. People are slowly realizing they don't have to go see these Transformers movies anymore. So I would love to see some kind of revival of that, whether it's out in space and they just, it's all Transformers all the time, or whether they're able to actually, something like Bumblebee, a grounded kind of mm -hmm. character story. Yeah. I just desperately think that franchise needs something new. Yeah. I think a franchise that needs uh, some type of revival, whether it's, I don't know about a Fast Five type thing, but just some type of revival is the Alien franchise. Yeah. Um, I love. Uh, alien obviously and, and aliens um and it's been and prometheus i like more than most people but it it definitely needs even just box office wise alien covenant and all that like everything has gone down down the drain for the most part and it is you know it can be a great uh franchise and i think they're making a tv show still of it um that's coming out but that's one that i'd love to see back as like a mainstay franchise yeah, I know Chappie wasn't well-received and Neil Blomkamp's work hasn't been great, mm -hmm. but I think looking back, the best option for that franchise would have been to let him make the Alien movie he wanted to make. And maybe it would have maybe it would have been terrible and would have been kind of the final nail in the coffin for that franchise, but Prometheus and everything that uh, Ridley Scott was doing wasn't working out either. So And, and I agree because and I think Neil Blomkamp doing a franchise like that is actually where he would fit better at this yeah. point because his original stories um now we've seen he likes to kind of tell the same story for the most part in different uh ways um and they don't always work it worked in district nine didn't really work after that um so because his direction i think is always pretty good um yeah. good or good or great um and it's the stories and his writing that kind of hinder it and i think putting him in, in the bounds of a franchise as long as he doesn't tell District Nine story in Alien, um, <laughs> like I think it, that could have been really good. Yeah. Oh, I saw. Speak back to our earlier conversation. I guess he's working on District Ten, and he mm -hmm. he made some comment about like some whatever politics are going to be included in District Ten, and someone's like, "Oh, all these woke politics coming to District, you know, the District franchise, District, you know, compared to did District Nine. It's like one? number one, did you watch <laughs> District Nine, and number two. The number one thing, fact, going around that movie is Neil Blomkamp went around asking people what their thoughts were on the immigrants moving to South Africa and then cut it together to make it look like they were talking about the aliens that were, like, in their little alien village. District 9. Exactly. <laughs> Got it. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. But, yeah, so for me, the franchise that I would 
I think needs kind of a reinvention and I think they're doing that because I think Margot Robbie is going to be in kind of a I don't know if it's a full reboot or just kind of a soft reboot or whatever it is but Pirates of the Caribbean because Pirates mm-hmm. of the Caribbean was kind of like my Star Wars when I was like younger that was my number one franchise the franchise I cared the most about I I saw uh, Curse of the Curse of the Black Pearl I don't even know how many times on repeat on TV when I was a kid but I think it was just so many of the subsequent movies were so bad that my love for the franchise has fallen off. I'll watch I'll watch Curse of the Black Pearl probably like once or twice a year, and I'll I'll occasionally maybe throw on the next two every other year. Or so after that, but like the fourth one, I think I've watched once, and I was like, this is garbage. And I think the fifth one, I don't think I've ever actually gotten around to seeing. Yeah, I, I love the first one. I watched that like you like a million times. And the second, the the basically that original like trilogy of, of films, um, the first, the first three, the first one's awesome, love it. It it keeps to a relatively simple premise. The next mm-hmm. two, still love the characters, but the plots got very convoluted, and the movies got so long, yeah. um, that it kind of hurt it. But I can still watch them; like they're still yeah. good. They're still like yeah. entertaining movies. Then the fourth one is just bland, and like you said, I never saw the fifth. So yeah, yeah. it's just kind of consistently gone downhill. Yeah, I've I, seen the first two. I love the first one a lot. I thought the second one was pretty impressive. I thought the effects surprisingly hold up really well even today. I think mm. the J.B. Jones effects look great even today, and a lot of the shots look great even today. So I think that's a plus for the franchise. But yeah, I, it's kind of a – I don't know if I'd call it a blind spot. I've seen the t- first two, and I haven't heard a lot of good mm. stuff about the rest of them. But it's, I, one, I think it's one franchise that's three, someday. Yeah, the first the, three I kind of like. The second one is the, – the second two are kind of like a part one and a part two almost. They are. It's like one six-hour movie, basically. Yeah. Yeah, so I would say if you've seen the first two and enjoyed the first two, I would definitely say watch the third one. Mm -hmm. But, like, don't watch the fourth one. And I can't say not to watch the fifth one. I've just heard so many terrible things, and I didn't like the fourth one so much. I just haven't seen – I just haven't seen it. So, yeah, yeah, that's a franchise that – I don't know if Margot Robbie – like, I like her as an actress. I've liked her and everything she's done so far. I don't know if that's necessarily the direction. I'd want to go. I think it'd be more interesting with Zoe Saldana and as prominent as she is, is just to take mm-hmm. her character from the whichever one she's in and just basically spin off her character. I think she's famous enough now that, like, they don't have. To, it doesn't have to be like this big thing of like, oh, we're focusing on her character. It's more just like Zoe Saldana is leading a Pirates of the Caribbean movie. Yeah, because I think part of the problem they got they ran into was essentially making jack sparrow the yeah. lead yeah when he because doesn't. he was a he's an awesome character as a co-lead or a side you know like yeah. you know secondary character to our lead heroes like will turner um as kind of the learning how to be a pirate kind of character was a like that and his relationship and that like that kind of drove the first three movies for the most part and when they were basically were pretty much gone and it was just the fourth one being like oh here's captain jack and he's the lead it became a lot more bland because you he's such a, he's such a kooky character that it's hard to follow him yeah. as your lead and really care about him yeah it's basically so essentially pirates of the caribbean is essentially star wars but pirates you have luke skywalker you have will turner is essentially luke skywalker elizabeth swan is essentially leia mm-hmm. uh jack sparrow is essentially han and obi-wan rolled into one character uh, and it'd be like if they did the original Star Wars movie and then all of the other movies after that, Han was just more prominent and by the like third movie, Luke was essentially a cameo. Yeah. 
pretty much. And then that's I, it. It's an interesting franchise. Like you, you think a franchise literally based on a ride at Disney World would be mm -hmm. so bad, yeah. <laughs> but like that it's the one thing where I hear like, oh, they're making a movie about Jungle Cruise. They're making a movie about Tetris. They're making a movie about you know Barbie and. That could be terrible, but I go back and I say they made a movie about the Pirates of the Caribbean ride at Disney World, and it was actually awesome. <laughs> you could say the same thing about Lego Movie. Like, what are those movies that comes out and the premise just sounds so bad in the face of it that you're like, this can't be good. And then despite all that, it wins you over. So I think it's really impressive yeah. about that franchise. Bobby, you might have seen Tristan and I talk about it in our Disney Plus review, but do you have any guesses at how long the runtime is for Jungle Cruise? based on your question is leading me to think way longer than it should be uh so i'm gonna say two hours and 25 minutes two hours and 38 minutes holy shit <laughs> why it's a what? boat movie with the rock yeah i was gonna go see that for a review but i'm like i'm gonna no i'm, I'm gonna close my mind that movie is gonna i i fully expect this movie is gonna be adequate like it's i don't think it's gonna be great <laughs> But I don't think it's going to be bad. I'm not going to sit in the theater or pay $30 to sit in my house yeah. and watch a two and a half hours of adequacy. <laughs> Say, that's what I was just thinking. Yeah, that needs to be a two hours at most movie. Yeah, that to me, like me and Tristan have talked about this. What has happened to the hour 50 movie? Because that's what Jungle Cruise should be. A solid hour 50. Yep. And you look it at really... movies that come out this year, like people have gotten to the point where if it's under two hours, we're like, wow, that's a short one. <laughs> you know? like Yeah. yeah. I'm like, okay, so are you sure? Because I, I, I Google what... Jungle Cruise runtime and it says two hours and 38 minutes. Okay, because so I'm looking on Rotten Tomatoes essentially, and it says two hours and seven minutes, which sounds way better. That's okay. Yeah, that I'm okay with two hours and seven minutes. Google was telling me two hours and 38 minutes. Huh. Yeah, but I've seen that happen before with movies, like, and I forget which one that there was a rumor of the runtime being like close to four hours or whatever. And like Google was saying like that's what it is, but it didn't say what the source of it was. Okay. But if IMDb, you just Google, it's what it popped up. IMDB is also saying two hours and seven minutes. So, okay. Maybe, right. maybe it is. And two hours and seven minutes, I feel like is perfectly fine yeah. for Jungle Cruise. Okay. Yeah, I might I actually did... go see it now. Yeah. I just Googled and you're right. It pops up with that. And I don't know why, but th that's what happened with that other movie that it was, whatever it was too. And I, cause Google just pulls as its main, like, here's your answer thing from like the first thing or the thing that has the most clicks or whatever it is. Yeah, that makes so sense. that might've been put out a long time ago and it's like, this is, this is what it is. So it's just giving you that answer. That makes sense. And I'm way Thank more God. down for a two hour and seven minute jungle cruise movie. Yeah. All right. All well, right. With that any... being said, yeah. Yeah. Now <laughs> we got our jungle cruise rant out of the way. Uh, anything else? Anyone have anything else they want to add as far as talking about the uh, summer blockbuster franchises or summer just summer blockbusters in general? It's called a deep dive. We can talk about whatever. Yeah, I just want to. Yeah, or yeah, I, I just more of like kind of closing <laughs> thoughts. So if you have something else you're bringing up, like I just wanted you know. to see if you guys had anything you're looking forward to any blockbusters or franchises coming oh. up. We've only got like a month left in the in the summer season, but for the rest of the year we've got a few blockbusters. So is there anything on your radar that you are really hyped over? Dune. Over? Uh, well. I think Dune's gonna be great. I'll be Dune, shocked if that sure. movie makes more than like seventy million dollars at the box office opening yeah. weekend. That movie's gonna that movie's gonna eat shit, and then Warner Brothers gonna be like, "Well, how did we expect this to happen?" It's like, well, because you copied the basically 
marketing strategy of Blade Runner, and that movie did garbage. So mm -hmm. it's like you should be marketing this as like, hey, this you know all of the sci-fi shit you love. This is what inspired that. Instead, they're just expecting people to know what Dune is, essentially. Yeah, I, I have hope, but it's that one's tough. It's more. I think it's just kind of wishful thinking. But yeah, I think it's gonna be great. I mean, I mean more box office. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know yeah, it's yeah. going to be good, but yeah. as far as like, I have hope that mm -hmm. it can still because I they need to because this is like part one yeah. of the Dune main Dune book, the first yeah. one. So I'd like to see them at least make a second one. And for maybe one, oh, go ahead. Maybe one for me that I think would be a, like a word of mouth blockbuster. Like it has to be one that's so good that people are talking about it and telling their friends, telling their coworkers, telling their family members to go see it because I think that's the oh. potential. People watch it and they're like, wow, this is really good. I've kind of heard of Dune, but I don't know much about Dune, and I really like the movie, and I want to talk, and that's that's what they got to go for. The word of mouth is what yeah. they got to really hope they can get. Yeah, I think it could easily be like that Avatar type thing where it opens to like forty to fifty million dollars because people forget that Avatar had a very small opening of like forty five million, uh, where it opens at like forty fifty million dollars, but then like week to week second weekend it's like twenty million dollars, third weekend it's twenty million dollars, fourth weekend it's twenty million dollars. And it's just as time goes on, like it just the weekend box office doesn't drop. And I think yeah, that's, that's the best, best hope, chance. I think. Yeah. Uh, for me, a uh, movie I'm looking forward to was a movie I was like, I'll go see it, I guess, or I'll watch it on HBO Max, I guess. To actually excited to watch it and can't wait for it to come out is The Suicide Squad. Last time I checked, mm -hmm. it had 51 reviews and a 98% on Rotten Tomatoes, and it had a high average score of like 8.0 or something like that. So. It's awesome. So I think this movie is going to be great. Everyone's saying it's James Gunn's best movie, and I love the first Guardians of the Galaxy. I'm kind of on the second one, and I love Super as well. So uh, I think it's going to be great, and I think the R-rated version of this is kind of allowing James Gunn to flex his muscles, and I would not be surprised if James Gunn goes back over to Disney to do Guardians of the Galaxy 3, and then he just immediately comes back to do The Suicide Squad 2. <clears throat> Because mm -hmm. that would be hilarious to call it that when I think yeah that would be great to call it the Suicide Squad two, and then uh, just kind of stay with Warner Brothers making Suicide Squad and making other I think... various HBO movies if they're going to allow him to do R rated movies because Disney would not is not going to allow him to do that. Yeah. I think to make it more consistent with the titling, it should actually just be the Suicide Squad T O O. It's like you have <laughs> the, you have Suicide it. Squad, the Suicide Squad, and this one's the Suicide Squad two. So then you have all it's or just two suicide squad. Team yeah. squad and then the third yeah. one we have suicide squad tokyo drift and the fourth one is just for some reason suicide squad, squad again squad no. it's just, just called squad. suicide yeah <laughs> i'll have one ticket to suicide please yeah. yeah yeah but yeah this movie that movie looks great um as far as upcoming blockbusters uh Tristan, did you have one, or did you say one? I don't really. Oh, yeah, yeah we were talking I'm about I'm curious Dana. about Matrix 4 a little bit. I okay. think that yeah. could be a total failure. That could be something that comes out, and it's like the Wachowskis are just still off their game and not quite uh, hitting it, and then it just kind of kills the franchise. So I imagine if it doesn't do good, like Matrix is, is not going to come back. So yeah. if this does do well, though, I think it could really revive the franchise and revive the Wachowskis as directors who have done some good stuff here and there since the matrix but have definitely not been like the critical darlings that they once were so i think matrix 4 has a lot of potential to yeah. be huge or to fail i think matrix 4 basically all the wikowski can do is succeed because if the movie sucks no one's gonna care it's gonna bomb and matrix is dead great it's not like matrix was exactly thriving before this movie 
And so yeah. everyone's right back to where they were. If the movie's amazing, then maybe maybe we get a Matrix 5 or maybe we get like a spin-off show on whatever streaming service and it, you know, relaunches the Wachowski's career and now they're in a much better spot. So I feel like they're either going to be in a much better spot or everything's going to be exactly where it is now. Yeah, I agree because they I mean they they killed their own franchise essentially with the second two, really yeah. the third movie, but the second yeah. two movies. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm curious about it because the Wachowskis haven't done anything that I've liked, you know, in a long time. But yeah. I, I like their style um, and I'd like to see them return to form and put out a good movie and maybe reinvigorate the franchise. Yeah, I like sure. Speed Racer. That's pretty good. I like V for Vendetta moments, that they that some other they, guy directed. Yeah. But they, yeah, they, everyone they knows they directed, directed V for that. Vendetta. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I think that takes care of our deep dive. Uh, we barely mm-hmm. talked about the MCU because MCU is garbage and no one should watch it. Oh, of course, oh, yeah, yeah, because we never talk about that. Yeah. You know, those movies. Well, we wanted show. to shed light on some other less popular franchises like Star yeah. Wars, Batman, and Spider Man. So, uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but obviously everyone knows that's the biggest, like the biggest franchise yeah. right now, and I think yeah. that's part of the reason we did avoid it. Is like it's like yeah. the obvious no, answer yeah. at this point. And I almost feel like on. there's not much to say about it. Like it's an ongoing franchise. We know what everyone's like thoughts are on it. There's nothing really to add to it. And yeah, yeah. yeah. Everyone knows Thor: The Dark World is the best one. So oh, of course. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But, but what I want to say before we kind of wrap up, wrap up, is I just hope the summer blockbuster or the blockbuster movie just continues to be a thing in theaters after the pandemic. And I'm I'm waiting for the next kind of. To, for, I'm waiting for a movie to do normal numbers again at the box office for these movies oh. and so that they can actually put them out um, and that we can continue to see them in that way because I love seeing them in theaters so yeah. uh, if you know you know, if you feel safe go back to the theaters and support movies that you like and these big you know and hopefully we'll continue to get some inter- entertainment on the big screen uh, for years to come one quick question I had for you guys is like comic book movies obviously right now are dominating uh, like movies like you look and it's like whether it's warner brothers and dc or marvel or whatever what do you think the next big thing to dominate is because me i think it's probably very clearly video game movies i think that's uh, once they figure that next. out i think that's definitely probably what's going to take over yeah that's definitely where it, it i mean they have to figure it out at some point and yeah. once they do it's a mine you know it's a um you, there's so many video games that you yeah. can make movies off of and a lot of them, because what they need to figure out is just take the characters and premise from these older games. If you're making an older game that doesn't have a plot, just take the characters everyone loves and put them in yeah. a pretty simple like story with very yeah. good lore and all that. Like, I think you can then... make a pretty sick kind of Spider Verse type movie with Mario, fully yeah. like animated. You know, you have kart racing scenes, have Mario Party type elements. I think you can make a really yeah. just like fun Spider Verse tone movie with Mario. Yep, that, and then now the new games you can follow similar plots because they're very cinematic. So I yeah. think once they figure that out, they, you know, they can yeah. put out some great movies. Yeah, I'm curious because we've had Tomb Raider and uh, Detective Pikachu movies that are like decently fine and hey, like don't forget about Rampage box office movies. Yeah, <laughs> Rampage like those are we laugh at them now, but I think that's comparatively the quality of the stuff you're getting from the comic book genre in like the early 2000s mm-hmm. to the late like. Those aren't any worse than like the first X Men movie, I would say. Like the first X Men movie has tons of cheese and tons of like goofiness of them still trying to figure out the genre. So I think we're seeing that in this early stage of video game movies. I think 
TV is going to be a really good spot for video game stuff too. The Pedro Pascal Last of Us show is coming to HBO Max, I think, next year. I think that'll mm-hmm. be a, a big route for it because I do think video game is like a, a long form story. So it'll be a little bit hard to fit all of that into one movie unless you're like, oh, we're doing an Uncharted trilogy. We're going to tell like the a Nathan Drake story over the course of three movies. And they are, of course, making an Uncharted movie with Tom Holland. So that could be like yep. one of the first big, genuine hits out of the video game genre because that's a Pikachu. Well, kind of critically received pretty well. It didn't, it wasn't a box office hit. The sequel was paused because of it. And I think, yeah, video game movies are that thing that's just right on the cusp of breaking out. I think we're only a couple of years out. By the end of this decade, I think video game movies dominate and comic book stuff becomes like the Disney Plus shows and then a couple movies a year, maybe. Yeah, potentially. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. As long as I get my Batman trilogy every few years, I'll be happy. Yep. Yeah, and I want to address uh, Bobby's thing too. If you feel safe, go see movies in the theater. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how the box office adjusts over the next like year and a half with all these variant, the Delta variant out there now changing the conversation and the conversation. Maybe we're going to go back to masking, go back to distancing. It would be, it'd be a rough move if we had a whole another year of limited box office. It'd be hard for these franchises to maintain because these bu- these budgets are like two hundred million dollars sometimes, and it's like they gotta mm-hmm. at least if not more, they gotta make that money back and if they're not making it back i think we're going to see a bubble pop on a lot of the stuff and we might see a lot of these blockbusters start to fall back in some way yeah you know uh even if you don't feel safe movies are worth dying over man go (laughs) go catch coronavirus and see suicide squad theaters that's my message here you go there we go all right does anyone have anything else to add before we end the stream nope okay all good see it